This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Shut up and sit down. Hunting has become a game of inches. You shouldn't be happy unless you shoot a big buck. An industry telling you the only way to kill big bucks is to buy this and buy that. The only way to success is to plant large expensive food plots and to use so-and-so's mineral. Where you don't fit in unless you have your signature face paint design and take selfies in your tree stand. There is nothing farther from the truth. We don't want to fit in. A trophy is in the eyes of the beholder. We hunt for food and sport. Scouting hard, training hard, and hunting hard is what gets results. Not your latest and greatest sun elimination suit. It's time to get back to the roots of what hunting really is about. Family, friends, and the great outdoors. We present to you, Behind the Pole. Hey everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And we're sitting down uh, talking on the phone tonight with Curtis Zavel from Behind the Bow. Um, how are you doing tonight, Curtis? Doing good. Just sitting here editing some pictures right now. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good, except for it's 80-some degrees right now here in Michigan. It's the eighth yeah. day of the I'm season. Not... It's ridiculous. <laughs> right. I'm actually... Um, Surprised that you got my last name right. I think most people say Zabel. Well, I, I made sure to do a lot of uh, research on this one, so I listened to all the the White Knuckle podcasts and uh, you know some of the other podcasts that you were on. Kind of followed along with everything, so I, I try to do my homework a little bit. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, um, funny story. We were kind of talking about it, but we had to uh, peel Uncle Frank off of. Uh, Curtis and uh, and the guys from 
behind the bow at the bar when we were down at ATA. He was uh, getting into some of his stories, and we had to John had to take him home and put him to bed. So <laughs> he was getting a little animated. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> but uh, but tell us a little bit about you know for the guys that aren't familiar about um, you know what you guys are doing over there at Behind the Bow. Well, um, Behind the Bow is something I started back in 2009, 2010, I believe. Um, I think maybe 2010, but I started it with my buddy, Josh Ogilvy. And I, I previously was just filming for white knuckle productions out of Iowa. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but, um, I was previously filming for them and I guess I kind of wanted to just branch off and do my own thing. I was, I, me and my buddy Josh, we bow hunted together and we wanted to start, you know, I mean, I could edit, I've edited stuff beforehand. So we kind of just thought, well, why don't we just do our own thing? And so we just started putting some films together and we had a lot of previous footage. So we started off pretty fast and then it kind of tapered off because I guess the videos that, you know, hunting public land with one or two guys, you're not going to put out, you know, a bunch of videos each year. And like one full season is usually a store one video. So, I mean, we're not going to like outfitters, like a lot of these guys are going to, or, you know, a, bu- a bunch of, you know, privately owned chunks. We hunt mainly public land and we just wanted to put out kind of portray how I see, you know, how we saw bow hunting and we wanted to show kind of portray to everyone else, you know, how pretty much all the failures, like we whip out the camera when all the bad stuff happens and everyone else whips the camera out when all the good stuff happens. We kind of wanted to put all the bad stuff in with the good and just, you know, make some quality videos and some put together some cool stories and a lot of people can relate to. Um, so yeah, I started that with Josh and then he ended up not wanting to film anymore. He just wanted to bow hunt, which I can understand. And we're still really good buddies. And then, um, my buddy that's in the Marine Corps, Skyler, he got out this last summer. And when he got out, I asked him if he wanted to, you know, do this with me. So now he's, I guess, co-owner of Behind the Bow. And we've been just bow hunting and making videos. And we don't really, we don't look to have any sponsors or anything like that. It's just something we do as a pretty much just because we're passionate about it. We like to film. We actually do a lot of, like as a job, I used to be a machinist and I just quit that. And now I, I just strictly do video and pictures and stuff for, um, we got a big contract with a real estate company. So we do a lot of videos for real estate and we do a lot of weddings and stuff like that. But so that kind of carries over into the bow hunting, but yeah, I mean, you just do a lot of, a lot of filming. <laughs> and so, you know, our listeners are, you know, well aware of the guys that we uh, kind of gravitate to are the, the public land grinded out regular guy type things. And so that's why I wanted to, you know, speak with you tonight. Um, what is your history 
with hunting and and bow hunting in particular because you guys are out of Wisconsin. Wisconsin has that rich rifle hunting orange army tradition, you know, much like Michigan where everybody goes out and they got to get their buck and, you know, it's a big, big deal. So how did it end up for you? You know, how did you come up hunting and then move towards where you're at now with, with strictly bow hunting? Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah. Well, I started bow hunting the same time I started gun hunting. Um, my dad, my dad, we never really had land growing up. It was always, my uncle had like 40 acres and it was like primarily fields. So it was only like 20 acres of woods. And my dad started me bow hunting on the public land and we would gun hunt that little 40 acres that my uncle had. And that was something we kind of just did on the weekends. And then I was really obsessed with bow hunting. So I would go out on the public lands around home, like, you know, after school or whatever and bow hunt and kind of, I would go out pretty much every night and I just became more obsessed with it. And my other uncle, he's got another 40 acres and he's, he's actually like, my dad didn't really know what was going on when it came to bow hunting. Like he would just take me out bow hunting, sit me down on a five gallon bucket like right off the parking lot pretty much and say, hey, wait for a deer. And he, he, he just wanted to take me out to show me what bow hunting was about. He didn't really, I guess he wasn't a very good bow hunter. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I mean, so when we actually saw deer, we were, I mean, we were jacked. I mean, like I, cause we would go, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 sets, not seeing anything. And then you'd see a deer, you'd, I'd be freaking out, but so that, I, I think that kind of really got me into like, that triggered me. That, that started me is like when you actually saw that deer, the adrenaline you got from that, like, cause you worked so hard, you went out so many times and then all of a sudden you'd see deer and you'd be so pumped. So that kind of, that's what kind of, you know, kept me going back. But then my other uncle, Scott, he owns a 40 in uh, Michicot, which is in eastern Wisconsin. I'm from northeastern Wisconsin, like Appleton, Green Bay area. And um, so he invited me to to his house, bow hunting a couple weekends out of the year. And he was a lot, he, he knew a lot more about bow hunting. So he kind of started showing me some things and then my buddies from high school, their dads and, and my buddies, they would show me things and I'd be learning. And then, um, finally I didn't really get suit. I'll go out all the time, but I didn't really know what was going on until like 2009, 2010, kind of when I started behind the bowl is when I really started to catch on, on how deer move and why. And, and, you know, it's always a learning. I don't I mean, I don't know everything. But, I mean, I'm always learning everything. But, I mean, that's when I started actually, like, you know, when I, when I uh, came along the hunting beast and Dan Infault and that style of hunting where you're focusing more on bedding areas and stuff like that, that's when I started um, really, you know, getting into hunting mainly all public land and the run-and-gun style of hunting. Sweet. 
So with that, the the run and gun style hunting, we talked a little bit about it before we uh, we started recording here. But like exactly what you said, that's kind of how I've felt like the last couple of years is that I've just been not not excited to get a to to see a deer or to harvest a deer or anything like that. But I just kind of go out and I was hoping and I wasn't actually thinking. And so as soon as I found like guys like yourself, the you know the hunting public, the hunting beast that that style of of hunting um i started to ask the questions of you know why these deer were moving this way and and um with that when you had said the white knuckle productions you'd done a couple of podcasts and you were just down there with dan infall the guys from the the hunting uh, public amongst others and i'd heard you say on there a couple of different things one that those guys had influenced you both um Aaron and Dan, but you've got kind of your own style. How does your style like differ? I mean, I guess what, what's, what's your main focus? Because in watching your videos and things like that, it's not just bed hunting. You're going out and scouting and and doing all that and finding the beds, but there's definitely a, a shift here, you know, for the different, you know, you're hunting rut here, you're hunting beds here and you're hunting, you know, so how does your style differ from just that straight bed hunting or, um, you know, how did those guys influence you and where are you at today? Yeah. When I was, when I was talking on that podcast, I guess I was like, when, what I was getting at is like, no one is going to be a Dan Infault or no one's going to be like, everyone's got their own style. So like, if, if I try, like I've tried to just bed hunt and it doesn't, it just doesn't work for me. I, I mean, I've, I've bed hunted, you know, probably for the last two or three years now, but now I'm focusing mainly on bedding areas and kind of, I'm trying to stack the odds in my favor wherever I'm going. So, um, I guess, you know, early season, I, I tend to focus on swamps. Cause that's, I mean, there's not a lot of hills around where I am right now, um, locally. So I, I, I kind of focus on a lot of the local swamps around here. We got quite a bit of public land here in Wisconsin to, to work with. I mean, a lot of it's pressured, but, um, so we pretty much focus on, uh, a bunch of swamp hunting around here. I'm focusing on, um, specific beds, buck beds at times. I'll hunt, I'll, I'll hunt like a morning over a bed or try to hunt a specific bed in the afternoon. But a lot of times I'll be hunting, you know, just on the outskirts of bedding areas themselves, hoping, you know, trying to, I guess, put myself in the best possible situation. Um, so like, and then like during the rut, like pretty soon right now, we're going to be switching to, kind of we're going to start transitioning over into the hills which is i we i just find that terrain a lot more i guess i'd rather climb a bunch of hills than walk through a bunch of water and waders and get stuck (laughs) in mud too so i mean that has something to do with it but also i mean the the antler size and just how the terrain out in western wisconsin is incredible i don't know if you've ever been out there but it's just like you just go out there and you feel like a different person. I, I've never been to the mountains, 
but I'm sure that that's probably what I, a guy would feel like. Like, you know, if you're not used to that and you get out in the mountains, you're like, wow, you know, like just, it's just a new, new feel. So it kind of puts you in a good mood. There's bigger deer out there. And I mean, there's big deer around here too, but so, but what I'm getting to, I guess, is during the rut, we try to focus over there and it seems like you're getting a lot more, um, I guess like daylight movement and rutting activity over in the hills compared to in the swamps. Um, you can, you can see a lot farther, I guess, depending on where you're sitting, but typically you can see a lot farther in the hills. So, I mean, you can kind of adjust that way as well. Um, yeah, I, that's kind of what I, what I do. I don't, I, I haven't, I haven't bed hunted, uh, specifically in the hills yet as far as early season goes. Um, I have, when I've scouted the hills, I have pinpointed some big buck beds, but I've never actually hunted just specific beds in the hills. It's always near their bedding areas or in between bedding areas, you know, and I'm, I'm, when I'm scouting in the hills, I'm focusing more on like doe bedding and stuff. And then I'm going to be, I'm going to be focusing on areas in between those doe bedding areas and wherever there is no pressure as well. But like this weekend, we're going to, um, in Western Wisconsin and Skyler will be hunting there. I'll be filming. And, uh, we have a buck called John Denver that we, 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 I don't really like naming bucks either, but, um, we do it kind of just so we know, we're not getting, you know, that big 10 pointer. Well, what big 10 pointer? There's a bunch. Of, so we try to, you know, just put a name on them so we know what buck we're talking about. But, um, yeah, that we're going after that buck. And we've had pictures of him the last two years. And we're pretty sure we know the point he's betting on. We're going to have a south-southwest wind. And we're going up in there. And it's going to be a good cold front. It's going to be, oh, everything's looking good. So. I'm hope we're hoping that we can uh, put John Denver down for the count this weekend. Hope he follows a script, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it probably won't happen, but I mean I I have a good feeling. I have a good feeling about it. So with that, again, listening to the other podcast, I'd heard you talk about maybe a little bit of going away from running uh, cameras or so many cameras, um, and that was one of the things I was going to ask you. You, when you had had that in the your film that we'll get to in a minute here, the life of the public land bow hunter, you know there were some monster bucks on there, and I think it was Jerry is the one that you were going after, and I can see why. I mean, I don't know what you estimate his score at, but he was a monster. Um, did that you think change the way that you thought about hunting? Were you so focused in because you knew that deer was? in that area that you felt you had to hunt that area more you're talking about like trail cameras yeah yeah um yeah that's a good that's a good point because yeah um so like last year or the year before is when i filmed the life of a public land bull hunter and put that together and that was pretty much a film showcasing i was hunting two different deer i was hunting the donald and i was hunting jerry which both are pretty good and then probably about a dozen trail cameras that summer and i would be checking them every single weekend so 
I was getting a lot of big buck pictures, and I'm 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 glad I did. But this year, I didn't I had I didn't run any. Well, I ran probably like four trail cameras, and I haven't checked two of them. So I've only been running two, and I have like ten of them sitting. Here. But that's a good point because like when I was hunting that specific buck, so we got him again on camera last year. And he's even bigger. He was even bigger last year, like a giant, probably close to 200 inches. He he ended up getting shot. It's a long story. He ended up getting shot on some private land next to the public. But um, last year, me and Skyler 100% focused on that buck. Like there was other bucks that in the area that were nice that I would shoot this year, but it was just like a once in a lifetime buck this thing was a giant and especially for public land and if i was to get that on film i mean i that would have been like one of the you know biggest goal you know biggest accomplishments ever so i mean i pretty much focused on that buck and i learned a lot through hunting him through just hunting one little chunk it was like a little 40 acre chunk and he was um I, I kind of think I knew knew where he was betting early season, but once the rut came, he was pretty much gone, and I was hunting. He kept showing up like once a month on camera, and he just kept me going back to this this little chunk, and I was hunting this little chunk over and over and over again, cause just hoping that he would show back up, you know, getting lucky during the rut. Um, I think the reasoning why he was betting back where he was is because there was a lot of like treeless CRP area, I guess. And the whole front half of it was pretty much hunted by pheasant hunters. And I think a lot of people were turned off by all the cars in the parking lot and everyone going out pheasant hunting. And they're like, Oh, we're not going to deer hunt here. But in the back half of that, there was a creek that divided that and they, the pheasant hunters didn't go back to the back half. And that's where it was really good. But, um, yeah, so, like, when I was hunting last year, I was focusing just on that deer, and it was, it was, I guess, I mean, I had fun hunting him, but it wasn't, like, I was, I had all these scouted spots that I could hunt, and, you know, I wasn't, I never hunted a single spot that I scouted, so I was just hunting that deer, and it kind of got frustrating, and you're sitting in the same spots, and I'm actually kind of glad that I and I found out that he got shot because now I just I so this year I just stopped running cameras and I just want to I guess you know go after a good buck. I mean I'd shoot a, a good three year old right now and I'm 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 having fun hunting fresh sign and all my scouted spots that I've scouted in the last you know two or three years i got all these spots built up so i mean i've been just bou- we've been bouncing around hunting a lot of spots and i i just like i like the adventure i like hunting new new spots and new terrain so i mean it's it was kind of a kind of put limits on me last year hunting that single buck so i mean i think that could that could limit a lot of hunters if they're hunting just a, a specific buck they get tied into, you know, like you said, you're running all the cameras and you're getting all these pictures and you're, 
you're you're focusing just on those areas just because you know that those bucks are in those areas where i mean i can i can go out and hunt all these other areas now you know well that was one of the questions i guess that i that had come up for me when you would say that you you had your own kind of style of hunting versus um you know the guys that had influenced you uh because much of that mantra is that they don't set the same spot over and over again and it's that, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you is how how much do you hunt the same spot, same area, um, same tree? Um, in the vi- one of the videos that you had hunted with your dad, it seemed like you guys had sat one tree, adjusted to a different area, and then kind of came back to that same area again. And so I'd, more, that was just one of the things that I kind of noticed, and I was curious is how often do you set the same area? And it sounds like for that buck – you were kind of it felt like you had to be there like early season probably up until like october 20th i'm hunting different trees every single sit pretty much um not necessarily different areas but i'm bouncing around you know like i feel like if i go into an area and i'm targeting a specific bedding area and i go set up to hunt that specific bedding area depending on the weather and all that, I feel like I just went and screwed. That was my, that was my chance to, to kill a good one there. And if I don't go in, if I go in there and don't kill anything, I feel like I scented the area up and I, that buck knows I was there now. So I'll, I'll, you know, so if I go and hunt a certain bedding area and I didn't see anything, I'll maybe go move, I don't know, 500 yards to the west, say there's another point or an island coming out in the cattails or something. I'll go set up there because I feel like if I went there and he smelt me, he might move to that other island or, you know what I mean? So I kind of, I kind of hunt where I kind of don't hunt where I did hunt early season, but during the rut, I guess it's a little different because I'm hunting more cruising bucks and doe bedding areas. So I guess I'm not really too concerned on the rut. I'll hunt the same tree multiple days even sometimes, um, depending on the movement. I mean, if I'm seeing a bunch of deer and a bunch of good bucks, I might do I might switch trees a little bit different here and there the next day. But other than that, I mean during the i mean i usually try to bounce around still i mean i don't i don't like sitting the same spot you know two three days in a row but i i will sit the same tree during the rut so uh, for most of the the public land guys and the guys that are successful and i guess it's not most it's got to be all um the amount of time scouting is insane compared to you know my thought process say three years ago what I envision scouting as versus, you know, what you guys kind of look at scouting. So how many, how much, what's the ratio of scouting today's hunted? Um, do you think that you have? And then when, when you're going into an area that you've scouted previously, are you just hunting the hot sign as you're going into the area? You're just saying when you're scouting, you kind of get an idea of what, because a lot of the scouting is done in the spring or when there's still snow on the ground, you're going in there and looking at it and saying, this is where the deer are. This is kind of what happened. Um, and you have that 
kind of mental picture in your head. And then when you go in there and you see sign, you just put those pieces together kind of to figure out what's the best way, you know, that you think you can kill that deer at that time. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay. So scouting this year, I have, I went scouting probably three times total uh, the whole spring and winter and everything. And I, I just started up a business, so, I mean, the time just wasn't there for me this year, which is a horrible feeling because it's, I almost think, I like scouting more than hunting almost. Like, I just like figuring them out. Like, I like going and finding bedding areas, and I'm like, oh, dude, I can't wait to hunt this. Like, that. that's, like, my favorite thing to do is to find how the deer are maneuvering around people and finding the next best spot, I guess. But, um, so this year I haven't done anything for scouting really, but the last probably four or five years, like literally every single day during the springtime from, I guess, I don't know, sometimes I was starting December, but mainly all my scouting was done from like February to turkey hunting. And every single day from like February to turkey hunting, I would be out scouting somewhere like every day I could get off of work. I would drive to Missouri, Indiana, Iowa, um, you know, all over the place, all over Wisconsin. Um, I, you know, sleep in Walmart parking lots, go scouting all day, come back to Walmart parking lot, sleep there, scout all day the next day and then drive home. But, um, so I, I have a ton of, of spots previously, you know, like in the bank to where, so I'm not really concerned about this year as far as I didn't scout last year or this last spring because of all the spots that I have built up in my head. And like, I have this notes, uh, notes on my computer that I just have tons of spots. Just this is this spot I would hunt with a North wind and I'd have all my, you know, spots right there and have notes to them and everything. But, um, so yeah, I mean that's that's a scouting is by far the most important thing as far as public land hunting goes because you don't you can't just look at a map like I can look at a map like a topo map and be like all right here's the sweet you know pinch points and funnels and here's the sweet point where I think they're gonna be betting and everything but you just won't ever know until you're out there like. I probably, probably like every 10 chunks that I would walk in the spring, one of them would turn out to be like, okay, this is a good spot. So, I mean, we would walk a lot just to find, you know, a good spot here or there. They just built up over time. Um, so I think scouting, there's no, no better way of scouting than to be putting boots on the ground and actually, you know, knowing if there's pressure there, knowing, you know, how thick it is like a lot of times you look at a map and it looks it looks good and then you get there it's just like open there's no like cover at all you know or there's a bunch of people you know human sign so i mean that the boots on the ground is the biggest thing but um when you said as far as going and hunting your scouted spots um i guess that i guess it depends it all depends I, i i just like hunting with my gut feeling. Um, so I'll give a couple examples. Um, 
So if I feel if I'm going into a an oak island, say I kayak and I'm just thinking about past hunting experiences. If I kayak into an elk island and I know that there's not going to be a lot of, let's say it's early season, and I know that there's not going to be a lot of pressure yet, I might, if I walk into that island and I see, you know, a bunch of hot sign, I, I'm thinking, okay, is this is this daytime or nighttime when I'm in there? If I, am I, am, I'm trying to think. Is this daytime or nighttime? And then if I start creeping up on the edges of this oak island where the bedding is, say with a crosswind and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of just walking that transition of the Oak Island and, you know, there's like little, you know, willows and stuff that, that pop out on the edges of these Oak Islands out in the cattails. I'll be walking that edge and I feel like, damn, there's some like, this is like hot, fresh sign. I might set up right on that Island and those might not be the spots that I have in my GPS, but just because it's early season and I know that there's probably not a lot of pressure in there, I might set up closer, you know, uh, farther away from like where I actually want to hunt just because I think they might be betting a little closer as far as early season goes. But a lot of the really good spots that I'm finding scouting wise in the spring are like these areas that, you know, they're going, they're betting there like, almost 100% of the time. Like, these spots are freaking pounded to the ground, like, bed, you know what I mean? So, <clears throat> so sometimes if I don't think that they'll get there by shooting light, I'll move in and go right to where I want to sit. Sometimes, I guess it all depends on what I'm thinking at the time. If I go in there a lot of times and I'm seeing sign, like, some people might be like, oh, you got to set up here. Look at all the sign right here. But I know for a fact that, or not for a fact, but I'm thinking for sure I'm going to have a lot better opportunity just focusing on just that little mini island. I know that big buck is batting on. It could be like two, three hundred yards away from where other people would want to set up. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, I mean that's one of the things I noticed when you were talking on one of the other podcasts when. Uh, they had you like looking at maps and, and things like that. One of the things I took away from what you had said there was you basically kind of like overlooked everything that looked good on a map to the weekend warrior or the, the everyday hunter. So like a field edge transition pinch point, and you kind of broke things down beyond that using them to your advantage i guess that's the way that i understood it and so with that when when you're looking at these properties that you're hunting I and mean, i don't want if you know some of them are way too small or whatever don't you know don't feel like you got to tell us i don't care where you're hunting i'm just curious what the actual size of the property is in the access because before we got on here john and i both had our phones up and we were looking at at Onyx at the places that we are scouting and in like kind of digitally scouting. And it's been really hard to kind of find those places that don't have access, you know? So I found a spot where it's two miles, basically squares, and it looks like it would really suck to get in there. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, this is, this must be what these guys are talking about because I, I don't really want to walk down in there, but that's where the, the deer are going to be. So, I, I mean, I've got thursday off and i'm trying to figure cold fronts coming through i'm trying to figure out if i want to go in there and just kind of figure it out 
blindly or how I want to go do that. But like, how big of it are these areas? I know that, you know, Dan Info he talks about hunting right next to a parking lot or, or, you know, these little small overlooked areas or the ones that are way out in the middle of nowhere. But watching your stuff, it seems like access is kind of like key, like a lot of kayaking, a lot of, you know, walking through these marshes and falling through into the ice, into the water and shit like that. So, Well, that's one of the things here in Michigan. I mean, I've been going over all the onyx and like yesterday I went and scouted a spot and it's like, man, we just don't have places that are, that are hard to, I mean, there's places that are hard to get to, but it's just like two miles really. I can, I mean, it might feel like forever, but I can get across that. So, like, the spot that I scouted yesterday, I walked in. I ended up walking, like, three and a half, four miles. And I got back in, and I'm walking through the nasty swamp. And, oh, there's a tree stand. And then get back. Oh, there's another tree stand. It's like, oh. <laughs> it It just gets kind of frustrating here because it seems like there's there's spots. The spots aren't big enough to uh, get away from the people almost. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um I guess we do. I have, I mean, I've been there too. Like I've, I, believe me, like there's a lot of spots. That's where the, the pre-scouting in the springtime comes into play as well. Like big time, because sure. I've done a lot of that stuff where I was like, Oh, this has got to be good. This Island way the hell back there. Like there's no way any public hunter is going to go back there. And I'm the only crazy person that's going to go back there. And I go back there and I, cross a bunch of you know ditches or rivers or you know go through a bunch of cattails or something and you get back there just to see that there's some like a big giant trail from the private land hunting it right you know because it's bordering private land and you're like wow this sucks i just walked two miles and now i know that there's people back here and so like if you're scouting in the springtime that's like one of the biggest things i'm looking for too is the the pre- i'm looking for any human sign whatsoever and i'm trying to determine that if it's during gun hunting or bow hunting you know a lot of times you can see like these old you know like 10 foot ladder stands i'm assuming those are gun stands you know like right. you know stuff like that um i'm i'm just looking to get away from people and and that's it really it doesn't matter if i have to walk two miles or not it's just it's just finding a way to get away from people because that's where the deer are going to be. Like this last weekend I was, I'm hunting a spot and it's just, it's actually not marked. It's public land, but it's actually not marked as public land on the website. So that's a huge thing. Like, cause anyone, and it's not an Onyx maps either. So anyone that goes on Onyx maps, or anyone that's on the website knows they, they they look, they can't see if that's public land or not. Like that's huge for me because then I'm thinking, okay, there, you know, the vast majority of these people don't know that that's public land and the access to it kind of sucks as well. So that's even better yet. But there's a trail that I walk back on. Um, it's an easement and I was walking down this trail and literally so i and it's kind of a, a big ridge this trail is on a big ridge and i this was last week i i, I was gonna go hunt a, a river crossing 
and I just walked down, just got down the steep trail, and I wasn't expecting deer to be right next to this trail at all. Like, there's people that walk down it occasionally. So I, I slide down this trail because I had a, like 60 pounds of shit on my back, and I it's like all like little you know gravel and like thorn bushes and stuff. And I'm like sliding down, like grabbing out of these bushes and stuff. Finally get down to the bottom and I kick a deer up right next to the stupid trail. Like, and I could tell that it was a buck and it was a decent one. And I ended up sitting over its bed waiting for it to come back. Actually a little downwind of it, but he never showed. But, um, that's just the kind of, that's just the kind of stuff, I guess. I think that Dan Infault is really, is really saying is, like, I would have never, ever, in, like, thought that there was going to be a buck bedding right next to that trail like that. But it, it's just the spots that people aren't in. Right. You know, there's pockets everywhere where people just aren't going to go, um, you know. And, and like you said, if you're walking through that, sw- if you're, you know, you walk two miles through a swamp and it sucks. But does it suck that bad to where you're, like, <laughs> thinking to yourself, I want to give up? Because that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking like when I'm when I'm walking through it, I just hate my life like completely. I don't want to be doing this at all. And that's the kind of stuff that once you get on the other side of whatever that may be, it could be a freaking giant ass ridge. That's there's no good draws to get up and you just have to walk straight up it just to get to some public on the other side. That's probably going to be pretty sweet because there's not going to be a lot of pressure back there. Or in Missouri, a spot I was hunting in Missouri, there wasn't any really good way around it. Either you walk two, two and a half miles back on this horse trail and then walk through a bunch of swamp, or you take kind of a shorter route, but you have to walk through the, the thickest poplar swamp that you've ever walked through. And like you have any backpack or stand on your back, you're getting caught on all these trees and stuff. Like, and you have to cross a river, but the. I guess, yeah. I mean, the more barriers and the more stuff that just sucks is probably going to, there's probably going to be deer back there, you know? Yeah, I was hating my life yesterday, but that was mainly because there was like 9 billion mosquitoes. Oh, my. It was was the worst. Uh, I mean, I've got um, hundreds of bites just all over my, and I sprayed down and, you know, then I'm sweating. It was like about 80 degrees. And it, it was horrible. I was about ready to put my sweatshirt on and yeah, start that, dying. I think you did that, that in was, one of your videos, didn't you? Yeah, that was <laughs> pretty much uh, this. The whole early season so far has been horrible. Like, it's been the mosquitoes have been just like what you said. Are just the worst I've it's ever seen. I've ever seen them. And it's either you sweat your ass off and you you have a sweatshirt on. It's 80 degrees, right. so you're going to sweat your ass off and still get bit in your hands and, like, your face. And You have to wear a face mask because if you breathe in, the mosquitoes are, like, going up your nose and up your mouth. And so, like, either you sweat your ass off or you get bit, like, 100 times. And, I mean, you're using a thermosol, right? I didn't have one with me yesterday. Oh, my God. <laughs> was, I, don't know you, uh, I don't know how you do uh, yeah, I was hating Like I said, I was like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. What am I doing? But, I mean, there was some good sign, but 
I mean, I got back in to the point where there was no, no, I didn't see any more human sign, but, you know, just, there's too many mosquitoes to even think about hunting last night, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Let's say all of our spring, from, from January basically until a month ago, you know, I did a little bit of scouting, and I think John did a little bit of scouting, uh, you know, this, this spring and then, you know, before we went out, but, you know, we went out West elk hunting. And so we were aside from relearning how to hunt whitetail and, and break down maps and things like that. Uh, we were learning how to elk hunt. So when you were saying that, like where you get to a spot where there's no, no other way that sucks and you just have to get like through this last little bit. <laughs> I was just imagining when we were, we were in the middle of all this deadfall in, in Idaho, elk hunting and it was there was no good way we were um, you could go a mile in any direction and it was just deadfall and we had 60 pounds on our back and it was just awful and so i was like exact like when you were saying that i was like right back there going oh yeah yeah, yeah. that fucking sucked that there was, had to have been big whitetail there because it was fucking terrible that, that was absolutely miserable i've never seen anything like that i mean <laughs> that's what when we when we were up there and we got done with that i'm like dude this makes uh, whitetail hunting in Michigan look like baby shit. I mean, <laughs> it's just it's a it's a joke. <laughs> I'm like, it's crazy the some of the shit that we ran into out there. But oh man, but, yeah, well, how'd you guys do? Well, so we went out there unguided, do it yourself, and um, we did. We were unsuccessful, but our goals were very simple. It was to um, hear an elk, see an elk, and get an opportunity. And John and I both had opportunities, and he called in an absolute giant for me. And I had it at broadside 62 yards, um, and uh, it, there was some stuff in the way, and I just wasn't comfortable taking that shot. But I don't know how long the whole scenario lasted from the first time we heard him bugle till he took his cows and walked away before we went and bumped him out of his bed. But it was well over an hour. And he probably bugled a hundred times. I don't know. It was amazing. Yeah, it was. Um, that was, for me, that was worth the trip right there. Just, that was the success for me, just calm and talking to that bull. We were literally, like, if you had a video of me, my freaking veins are probably popping out of my neck and my head. I was <laughs> screaming so loud and he would just cut me off and scream back. Then I'd cut him off and it was, it was absolutely awesome, so. Dude, that's, I was just going to say, that would be 100% success in my book. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and the, I mean, the only thing is that we didn't come home with any meat. That was the, if if you had to take some sort of negative away from it, but it was, we learned a ton, and what I'm finding now is not only, I learned a lot, you know, obviously about elk hunting, never having done it before, and, and getting out there, and, and the boots on the ground that you're talking about, but in doing all that and doing all the map work that we did and working with Onyx. Now, when I look at Onyx and I'm looking for stuff for, for whitetails, it's like second nature as far as, you know, being able to read like the terrain and the topo lines and, and all that sort of thing. So it's definitely right. transitioned over, but man, it was a, it was an amazing experience for sure. Um, yeah, I, I've never been in the mountains, but I could, just about imagine 
I, I, I think I'm, we're trying to go out there. I'm hoping somewhere we got a couple buddies out West. So, I mean, I'm hoping that me and Skylar can out, get out there by 2020, hopefully. I was just watching the video that you did on the antelope. And that's one of the things I told Adam. I'm like, dude, I, I want to kill an antelope with my bow. It just, you know, it seems, you know, I've, I've told a couple of people like, you know, I want to go antelope hunting. They're like, Oh, like with my bow. They're like, what? You know, <laughs> they, they think you're absolutely crazy. You're like, they're like, well, good luck with that. But you guys, I mean, you guys had some, uh, some trials and tribulations. It looked like on your little trip, but, uh, oh, yeah. but you're yeah, successful I mean, in the end. You're in, you were in South Dakota, right? Yep, yep. We kind of thought, I mean, I was, when I went into it, my, one of my buddies says, hey, you guys should go do a South Dakota antelope hunt. It's a cheap over-the-counter tag because I wanted to get out of Wisconsin. I was like, for a different species because I never really hunted anything but whitetail. And I didn't want it to be during the whitetail season. Right. So I was like, well, yeah, I mean, let's, let's do it. Let's do an antelope hunt in August. And I wasn't really thinking much of it, really. I was like, it can't be that hard. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking it's, it, I mean, I was thinking it can't be that hard. And I, we went out there and those, those freaking antelope, man, those things, they can peg you out. Like you're, you're walking to the middle of nothing and, and you can see these things. You can, you, you know, you glass them from the road or whatever. So then you start planning your stock. Okay. We're going to go this way or that way. And then we're going to creep up to them this way or whatever. And we, we didn't, you know, we just start walking out there and we're not even, I mean, we're probably a mi- miles away from the thing. I don't know how far away the thing is, but I mean, it's a long ways where you can barely see it in your binoculars. And we're just like walk, walking out just kind of through some open stuff. We're not really like putting the stock on them yet. And, and I'm, I'm walking, I'm looking at this little dot and I'm like, I think this thing is looking at us. And I put my binoculars <laughs> up, and it's just sitting there st- staring at us already. And we're like, freaking, you know, not even, not even relatively close to the thing. And it, it is ridiculous what the eyesight on those things, and they're fast. <laughs> they're fast. Speed goat. <laughs> there is a, there is a, there is a lot of them out there. We had a lot of, you know, there's a ton of, ton of them out there. So I mean, it's not hard to find them. It's just getting close is yeah. the hardest part, really. Was um, it? Was it hard? Was there a lot of public land? I mean, I oh seen yeah, you guys like on. Of. Okay, so it's easy to find oh places yeah. to oh hunt. Yeah, we're, the only problem was is we. Were, I think if you if we would go out there again, we would download the actual aerials and stuff on our on our Onyx. Right. You know, so we're like some spots we didn't have reception, so we didn't we couldn't we didn't know right but if we knew like a general area of where we wanted to go we would download that whole area and then you know we wouldn't have to worry about reception or whatnot right cool and so that video is your video from this year and that's called lope country so can you break that one down for us like how many days you spent out there and kind of what what the whole synopsis of the video was yeah uh i guess last summer me and skylar um, that last summer is when Skylar came home from the Marine Corps. And then we had, we wanted to get into this, um, 
we wanted to start making some money filming. So we started filming weddings and we had like five or six weddings lined up and we left the one weekend open for antelope hunting. And it was <clears throat> that opening weekend of like August 20th. I think it was, I'm not really sure what, I think it was August 20th. And, um, yeah, we, I mean, we just drove out there. We just slept on some mats on the ground and, and I, <laughs> We didn't really prepare ourselves at all. I mean, we shot our bows and we got the stuff that we thought we needed and just went out there. And we, we you have to apply for a tag for South Dakota. So I think you get it either way. Like, I don't think anyone's ever not gotten an antelope tag, but you still have to apply for them. Um, but we applied. We got the tags in the mail. We went out there. And, yeah, we just did, you know, spot and stock style hunting for – I think we were out there for four or five days. I don't really remember exactly, but um, we started without a decoy and <clears throat> we actually, I actually ended up getting, I think it was like 55 yards or 50 yards away from one. And I ended up shooting one and it like, it was a lot more quarter in a way than I thought it was. And it deflected. And I, I don't think it, Looking back, I don't think I should have shot at him, uh, to be honest, because it, he was like he was fighting with another one in the fence and in a barbed wire fence, and he was like moving his body and stuff. So I don't know what all played into it, but the arrow I thought it looked perfect where I where I shot it, but it obviously wasn't because there was. If you look back in the video, there's like some blood on his neck. Must have deflected off his neck or something. And then he that never ended up getting us and giving me another shot. Well. And then he was standing on a, a gravel road in front of me, and I could have shot him there, but I didn't really know the the laws. It, was, it wasn't a road. It was a driveway. And I don't know. I didn't know really the regulations on that, so I didn't want right. to be flinging arrows at an antelope on this gravel driveway. So, um, yeah, and we, so I screwed that one up. And then we had a lot of spot and stock opportunities we just screwed up on. Um, and then we ended up driving and getting a decoy and we got the decoy and I think it was like the third stock with the decoy. We ended up, <clears throat> I ended up getting, getting one. I ended up putting not a great shot on it. I was, I don't know. I was freaking out. Uh, it, it was like finally getting, a, getting that close to one and then blowing the shot like that ended up killing it, but it wasn't ideal. So yeah, that, that pretty much wrapped that up. And Skylar hunted the last day or two after that, and we just couldn't get close enough to one. But it was definitely, definitely an experience. It was fun. It was like ninety degrees every day, so it was sweat your balls off, running gun all day long. <laughs> and it was it was pretty fun. But I mean, I'd like to do it again. That's for sure. Just depends you know you have to find time and pick and choose your hunts too and there's lots of other stuff i want to do too so definitely uh you'd recommend the decoy though oh yeah i definitely bring one for sure it's we we got within like a hundred we got like a hundred yards away from a lot of them but it's just to get any closer than that they're not a lot of times in areas where you can stalk them like they're just they're like those last hundred yards that you have to close the distance is just flat, nothing, right. just grass. Yeah, and we the, the grass isn't very long, so it's and when you're army crawling through that stuff, it's like there's literally like pickers and stuff, like cactus, and, 
and so it's like going in your arms and shit and you're like dude this this isn't this sucks <laughs> but yeah i would definitely recommend going i'd bring a decoy <laughs> and lots of arrows <laughs> we've seen hundreds of those things when we were headed out to idaho so and, and john just kept saying the whole time so i when before you said it i knew like you needed to 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 apply because john was like we should have just applied because we could have just stopped and hunted and if we would have got something we would have come back like <laughs> we should just we should have just applied like that was this whole thing like the whole time like we're gonna we're gonna have to do this we're gonna have to do this so then when your video came out that was great um what now do you think maybe maybe you said it on the video or something like that i don't know you said you're useless without your lone wolf but <laughs> why um you guys chose not to just sit over water and kind of wait for him instead of the spot and stock was it just you felt your odds were better you know you had more a lot more opportunities doing it that way or i think it was just i think it was just a boring factor like i didn't want to i there was some water holes that there was some mag you could see these trails going down to these water holes like and i think it was just i don't want to sit in this blind in 90 degrees <laughs> you'd be dead stare at this water hole for all day you know but i'd rather just go out and and try to get them you know just, right i think the the fun aspect of it would be i guess taken away from sitting in a blind roasting you know oh i totally understand that now that you say that because the one or two times that john and i just sat when we were elk hunting i was like just fuming i was like this is so stupid like every every time that we got into elk or like we had any sort of encounter like we were out there moving calling moving calling moving calling like nothing ever happened when we were just sitting here and it was like man we only got so much time i'm just wasting my time so i i totally get what you're saying like i, I was my own worst enemy that wasn't that's another thing that you just brought up too is like you're always thinking you're like we don't have that much time you know, like we're sitting here wasting our time. Yeah, I would have like we didn't sit there in the blind, but if I was sitting in the blind, I'd definitely be thinking that. But like, dude, we could be in like ten stocks in right now. Right, just sitting <laughs> we, staring at this water hole. We yeah. could have screwed up twenty of them now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but your odds are in your favor at that point. <laughs> the more you screw up, if sooner or later you're going to get one. Right, <clears throat> and I think you. I think you learn a lot more too, as far as just hunting wise and spot and stock and how to how to work the terrain and and all that i'd rather just continue to learn than just sit on a water hole right too so so out there doing that was there anything like i like i had kind of mentioned like what i had taken away from um our elk hunt to be able to bring back to whitetail hunting going out there doing that spot and stock did you learn anything you know that you're going to transition into whitetail hunting I mean, you plan on trying to spot and stalk any or, or anything like that? Um, I guess, no, not really. Um, I guess the only thing that I could probably just, you know, double down on is I just have, I have to get, I have to get better at shooting. Like, I just want to be, I, I absolutely, I think every bull hunter does. I mean, I, I would imagine is if, when you put on a, a not a great shot on an animal. I absolutely hate that. That's like, the worst feeling. It is the worst freaking thing. Like I, I don't know what's worse than that. Like I, so that that just makes me every you know every time that I don't put a good shot on an animal, it just makes me want to be. And you could 
And it's hard too because a shooting at a freaking target is a lot easier than shooting at a live animal and when you're in the heat of the moment too. It all comes with experience and stuff like that. But it just makes me really, really pay attention to I really want to be a freaking phenomenal shot. Like I want to be out shooting everyone around here. Like I, you know what I mean? Like I want to be a very, very good shot. And it just, that's one thing that I worked on a lot, you know, <clears throat> as well. But I mean, yeah, I mean that, that goes with, I guess that goes for everything, not just antelope and whitetail, but everything. You just want to be a good shot. So. On that point, what, um, what bow are you shooting right now? I'm shooting a uh, Halon, Matthew's Halon. Six, five, yeah, the six. And how do you like that? I mean, best bow I've shot in so far. I I did try the triax. I did shoot that at the local archery range, but I don't. I mean, it felt good when I shot it. I just it was so small. Like I didn't really like the feel of like holding how tiny it felt in my hand. Like it just felt kind of like a toy almost. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you. It, what do you guys shoot? I'm shooting uh I'm shooting the Hoyt RX1 right now, the okay. the new carbon, and then I also have the Hoyt double uh, XL, which is the long axle to axle. Nice. But, yeah, then I'm shooting the Diamond Deploy, which is the same as the Carbon Icon, and it weighs like three pounds. So when you said it feels like a toy, like my bow probably feels like a joke. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's nothing. When I was building his bows, uh, it de- it definitely feels like a little toy, but it's it's fun to shoot, but it just I have a I shoot a thirty one inch draw link, so I'm limited on the the bows that I can shoot. <clears throat> All right. Especially like when you were saying like uh with the, the triax, which it's short axle to axle, the pinch point on it, my peep site would pretty much be I'd probably have to build a new set of strings and it 'cause it would have to it would almost be up into the serving on the top. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that that thing is I mean I like it was really, really like no vibration. Like it was just like you shot it, and I was like, "Damn!" But the just I just didn't like how small I guess it is. Yeah. So we we kind of talked about it a whole bunch of times, uh, kind of alluded to it. Uh, this year's um, film that you guys put out was Lobe Country, and it was that uh, antelope hunt. Last yep. year's was the life of the public land bow hunter, and I think that that kind of embodies like all of the the public land hunters that we've talked to that is the drive that everyone has and that that sort of kind of encompasses like that stick-to-itiveness i don't know the grind of the whole thing um so can you kind of tell us like the like your motivation for that starting out like kind of the basis of the video or whatever but like from when you started out to like the end of it is very dramatic. Um, kind of the ups and downs through that. I mean, how many sits the they had, the emotions, <laughs> the whole thing, making that video. Because, I mean, even watching it, it, it tears at your heartstrings for sure. Yeah. Like, that's one thing that I – that's, like, one of my favorite things to do is, like, I really, really, really enjoy, like, filming and, like, cinematography and, like, making think you know getting people's like when i'm when i'm editing it but i so like when i'm editing a video or a film i'll i'll like rewatch something because i'll be editing it so much i'll be rewatching over and over and over again so when like it's actually done i'm like 
well, this is stupid. You know what I mean? Like it, it'll be like, I've watched it a hundred times already. So I, it doesn't really seem like it's me, but when I'm, when I'm actually in the editing process, I like, I'm putting it together and I'm getting, I'm like finding the, the, you know, the right shots and getting the right shots and putting the right music or audio to those shots. And when I'm putting it all together, like, I just want to make myself feel like I'm there or like what I was feeling. Like I'm just like super passionate about the whole process of putting it together. And like when I was putting that, that video together, it took me, I don't know, probably like two or three months total just to put it all together. Um, I, I had I had an idea on how I wanted it all put together, but to actually piece everything together the way I wanted it to, it was like, and I got to some points, and I would like be like, screw this, I can't work on this right now, and I would like go back to it because I'd think of a new idea. Like it took a lot, it was a lot, a lot of thinking involved in it, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lots of holes that I had to fill because I didn't have a lot of. You know, I didn't have the right film for certain parts, so I would have to, you know, try to figure out how to make the video flow so it was boring and, and all, you know, everything. There's a lot of it, a lot of different things that were involved in it. But um, I guess before I even started it, I wanted to put together, like, I've always, I have all these ideas in my head, like hundreds of ideas of videos. So, like, Cause I like telling a story or to, to prove a point on something or to show, you know, something that I think is important to me. And so like, I had this, I already had this, like I've wanted to put this film together for I think a couple years, but I just didn't have the story to do it. And then when I finally went through all season long grinding, you know, a lot of times not seeing shit and then finally shooting one. And it was like a week before the season ended here in Wisconsin, just everything was perfect. And I was like, this is it. I can actually finally make the the film I wanted to make. (laughs) So then I, I guess I just started piecing it together. But, um, as far as the hunting goes, yeah, it was, I mean, I was after, a. I was after two bucks and two bigger bucks that I was getting on trail camera. And I was hunting a lot of beds and bedding areas early on, like way out and, you know, doing a lot of kayak access and stuff like that. And then I ended up getting a buck on camera, like three or four miles away from where I got pictures of him in the summer in a different location on public, which was kind of insane to me because of all the land that he could have been on in between that, which was private, he ended up being on the public, which was just nuts. And I thought it was just meant to be like, I was like, this is going to happen. And I ended up not seeing him again, but um, yeah. And I hunted the whole rest of the season. I ended up uh, filming Skylar when he came home from Marine Corps. We had like an amazing rot, like, we had so many close encounters and this big box. And then I ended up filming my uncle. He's got, he's got a uh, cancer and he ended up shooting like one of the biggest bucks of his life. And it was just, it was really, 
it was that was unbelievable. And then my my dad, I took him out in Western Wisconsin, and we ended up shooting a, a good one in the hills. And it was like an incredible year, like for me, because I I take a lot of time off throughout my year to film like my dad and my and like when Skyler was coming home and I, when I got home with my uncles and stuff. So I just it was a it was a really freaking sweet year like all around for me and then i ended up going back and hunting you know for those two bucks and i ended up shooting a decent buck off uh a chunk that i used to hunt a long time ago late season and that just like wrapped everything up i was like this is probably one of the best seasons ever for me you know then none of them none of them were nothing like 150 inch bucks and these giant mature deer it was just you know, these are good bucks that we're after, and it is just that's that's bow hunting to me. Like everyone's got their own goals, and, and you know, I mean, my goal last year was to shoot that giant that giant buck, and I want to shot another deer. And that I mean, some people be like, "Well, you're crazy if you pass up a hundred forty incher," but I was after that deer. Now this year, I would shoot a hundred thirty incher. You know, it's all depends on your own goals. I think a lot of people are always looking at other people's decisions and right. goals, and they're trying to base their goals off of someone else's goals. And I don't think that should be the case. No. I think whatever makes you happy or whatever, I think everyone should have their own goals for certain reasons, you know? Well, I mean, I think that that's one of the reasons why we like talking to, you know, guys like you, like I say, that are out there putting their heart and soul into this on public land and are able to, I mean, just to be able to make that decision on a piece of public land in a really high pressured state like Wisconsin to be able to say, well, I'm not going to shoot that 130 because you've got a 200 incher on public land. That's, that's insane. You know, you probably pare that down, say 25% here in Michigan, you know, but there's guys that are killing really big deer on, on public land here, you know, guys from the beast that are just doing great things, you know, here in Michigan, but it's not, that's not the norm. You know, this isn't Iowa or Kansas or anything like that right. where you get to, to make that, that choice. I mean, we hunted Southern Ohio and, you know, we got into some really good bucks and it was, I don't know. I mean, the first buck that I saw down there was perhaps the biggest buck that I'd, I'd seen in the woods to that date, I saw 120 some inch, you know, 120, 130 and 10 point. And I thought, Oh, okay. You know, I get, <laughs> I get, I get why we're here. But yeah. to, to that point, I, I mean, when I went down there for that first hunt, I said, you know, how am I going to know what a 120, 130 inch deer looks like? I mean, I've never seen one in the woods. It's not, it's not what, you know, we're accustomed to seeing. Um, so I think, like I say, talking to regular guys that are out there putting in all of the, the the hard work and to see the the failures, I guess, to see, you know, falling through the ice and forgetting your chair and freezing, <laughs> losing your trail cameras, forgetting your bags, <laughs> having to bust out your own truck window to get into your car to get home. Um, <laughs> that was a low video. <laughs> all of those things are like the – the real things that happen to real guys, you know, they don't, they don't put that on TV and that isn't, 
you know, a canned hunt in, in any way. So it makes it much more easier to appreciate, you know, the, the end point, regardless of the size of the, the size of the deer, the size of the animal, whatever. Right. Yeah. Like I always tell Skylar, my dude, whenever you're the most pissed off or the least, the, the times when you do not want to be filming, you just, you know what I mean? That's the time you need to be filming. <laughs> Those are the times you need to be filming is when you're, when you don't want to be filming because that makes the best footage because it's real. And it's, I think I'd rather watch someone struggle than, you know, watch someone sit on their turn up plot and shoot 150 inches. No, I, I don't know. I, that's the way I am. <laughs> or and let I, 350 inches go and. You know, Bill, Chuck, and Bob, and oh, here comes Ted. <laughs> that's the shooter. Yeah, that stuff yeah, gets old. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that's not the average. And 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 we we started a um, last year. We put on, I guess, a a film competition, and I guess the whole point of that for us was, well, first of all, we, I think it would be awesome to watch everyone else's stuff. But the whole point of that for us was we we want to get more people filming their hunts, and it's not for everyone, believe me. And it's and it's not like I don't even think it's that fun to be honest. Not you know, a lot of the times it's not fun. And but it's it's kind of like it's kind of like if you're a bodybuilder and you want to have these giant muscles. And you have to go to the, you have to put the work in just like if you're a NFL football player or you're whatever, you're putting all this work in and not that work is not necessarily fun. You know, going to the gym every freaking morning at three in the morning and you know, busting your ass, you know, maybe sometimes you like it, but a lot of times you don't want to be there. And it's just kind of the same thing as hunting and filming for me. Like it's the end goal. It's the end result when it all comes together that's what that's what we're all after you know what i mean like the journey it took to get there, the adventure the you can look back at all the bad shit that happened like when i fell through ice it wasn't fun when i <laughs> you know like when we do all these things that we don't like to do or you know oh man that ridge that was the, like when you guys went elk hunting you're walking through that those deadfalls <laughs> i guarantee you when you're walking through them you hated your life but you can look back on it and it's actually a good thing, you know? <laughs> and I guess it's just the, so like it's the filming isn't, isn't for everyone, but if you look at it that way and you're looking for like an end result, it's, it's very rewarding at the end of the day when you put your, when you put a video together and stuff. But I guess the whole main reason why we wanted to get that film competition, I guess started and going is because we wanted more people to be putting like real stuff out there. Like re real, like YouTube's great. Like all these people that are putting out these videos now, like it's just more and more each year. And I think a lot of people more rather watch this stuff on YouTube and watch other people's stuff, the real stuff, than this other, you know, the garbage on the outdoor channel. I'm not, I don't even know if I've watched the outdoor channel in like the last three years. I don't even know what's on anymore. I don't, I don't watch any of that stuff because it's just, I don't like it. I think it's all just, fake crap to me but i don't even have I mean, cable I, anymore so 
All I watch yeah, is I YouTube. Yeah, I don't even have a TV. <laughs> <laughs> I just watch all the YouTube hunting videos. My wife hates me for it. But <laughs> that you're always watching hunting videos. I'm like, well, what what else is there to watch? Come on, <laughs> it's hunting season. Well, you're watching before hunting season. Well, exactly, it's before hunting season. You watch it after hunting <laughs> season. Well, yeah, because it's after. I, I I'm missing it. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, I mean, we've kept you here, you know, over an hour now. So I'll, I'll you know, be respectful of your time and let you get back to uh, to actual real work that you've been doing. Um, but I do, I, I do really appreciate this and um, talking to guys that are at, like, say, like that are out there doing it and putting out the, the, you know, for anybody that hasn't found behind the bow yet, you need to check them out because the the quality of the films that they're putting out, like I think it, maybe it was the transition from your, you know, your media company now and the things that you're doing, but the, the, the quality of what they're doing and the stories that they're telling are just amazing. And, you know, for, if you stuck with us, listening to this with Curtis, you know, the great guys down to earth, um, I mean, hell, they can sit and talk to Uncle Frank at the bar. So, I mean, they're, they're our kind of guys. So I just want to say, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time with us. And so where can everybody find all of your uh, all of your stuff at? We have a Facebook page, Behind the Bow on Facebook, Instagram, underscore, Behind the Bow, underscore. And then we have a website, btbhunting.com. We don't, we don't cram it. We the stuff that we put out, we don't cram a bunch of, you know, we don't put a bunch of pictures on there every day or, you know, post a bunch of stuff that doesn't really mean anything to us. I guess we try to just keep it. We're not trying to push any products or anything like that. We just want to put stuff out that's going to help people or what is important to us. And that's it. Cool deal. All right. Well, I think that's all we got uh, for today. So thanks everybody for, uh, for listening and Curtis, if you want to stick around for just a second, we'll kind of wrap this thing up, but you know, hey, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, everybody. I just want to, I just want to thank you guys for having me on though. I really appreciate it. It was, it was a good time talking to you guys, especially some Michigan guys that probably have it worse than I do. Here in <laughs> so I, I appreciate you. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, messaging me and us doing this. Yeah, right. for sure. We'll, we'll definitely have to catch up after, after the season and see if we can get one of those uh, South Dakota antelope hunts planned. <laughs> no doubt, dude. All right. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>